This is our Pacific Northwest Music. We're going to be talking to local musicians, bands, talking about their passions and why they play such awesome music. Why would I ever want to miss this? Find us on Instagram or Facebook, Our PNW Music, or our website, ourpnwmusic.com. Skagit Valley, you don't want to miss this. Our PNW Music, we're sitting down with Brett Benton and Jesse James here. Uh, the Brett Benton Trio is actually playing tonight. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Yeah, thank you. Right on. Well, uh, we... Christine and I saw, uh, you know, you, you you know these guys a lot better than I do. Yeah, I've been, I've been following Brett for several years now, yeah. I think. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw you at the Woolly Market, and it yeah, was yeah, Valentine's yeah. Day, and I think it was like 2017 <laughs> yeah. or 2018. Was it was like, back. it was awesome. It was Love so at fun. first sight. It was, <laughs> it was for me. I was just like, oh my God, yeah. this guy's so awesome. So I well, well, thank you. made a fan right there. As somebody who's <laughs> very, very new to your music, I saw you play here. We're, by the way we're recording at farm strong brewery we love this place uh, yeah. for recording and, and for for shows um somebody that, that first saw you play here by yourself um can you kind of kind of just tell the listeners what your style is because you you have a very unique uh spe- region regional specific style yeah it's um so traditionally it is delta blues and country blues um you know if i'm by myself Generally speaking, it's a little bit more traditional to the roots of it. But with Jesse and with Artiro, it's more like blues rock. You know, we call it dirty, heavy blues. Like, you know, something along those lines because it gets kind of big and loud and rowdy and, you know. So, so, so Brett, one of the things I admire the most about you, well, for one thing, you're kind of like a walking encyclopedia of the old, <laughs> of the old Hill Country blue, Delta Blues. Um, but can you start, because not everybody's familiar with that, with that style of, of music, mm-hmm. can you kind of go back just a little bit of a history lesson and kind of tell everybody yeah, what it's so, about? So Delta Blues, um, you know, comes from like the, the Delta region of Mississippi, like around like Clarksdale, um, you know, areas like that. It's um, it's not strict to twelve bar blues, but you find a lot of twelve bar blues in old like traditional Delta blues. You know, artists like Sunhouse, uh, Muddy Waters. You know, um, and then you got Hill Country blues, which comes from the sort of like the other side and a little bit more north. You know, like Chulahoma, Holly Springs, Mississippi. Um, you got folks like. Uh, you know, Fred McDowell, R.L. Burnside, like Book of White. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a little bit different. It, you have, like, the guitar parts stay on the one instead of doing a 12-bar a lot. Um, they call it, like, the hypnotic blues or, like, the hypnotic boogie, you know, kind of because it's, like, a – it's very repetitive, like, all about the rhythm, you know, which is minor changes in the song, and you kind of just go wherever you want with it whenever you want. You know, which is why I love playing with uh, Jesse and Arturo so much because they can they can hang no matter what I do because not there's not any show that's ever the same. You know, and that's more what Hill Country Blues is all about. So Jesse, I want to kind of pull you back in then. Sure. Uh, what? Uh, so 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 this well, we were kind of talking right right before here. This is the Brett Benton trio, right? Um, and and you know here you are playing bass, I believe. Uh, what uh, what what else do you do? How would people maybe know you? Um, well, I also play guitar, and I have a band uh, called Jesse James and the Mob, um, and we've been playing, we've been together for about, uh, goodness, now I want to I wanna think, we've been together like 12 years now, um, so we've just been playing around locally, mostly Washington State, some of Oregon and Idaho. And how'd you guys meet then? Brett and I met because I was hosting a jam, uh, and we had a special guest every week. Mm-hmm. Up in uh, up in Everett, Washington, and Brett was our special guest one week, and we just connected from the beginning because uh, he plays hill country, and one of my mentors very uh, early on when I was learning how to play guitar uh, was a hill country mm-hmm. guy. So we just kind of Terry Bean, Terry Harmonica Bean, mm-hmm. shout out to that guy. He's yep. still doing great. He's still playing gigs everywhere, yeah. Yeah. Um, and touring all over the world. But yeah, he's one of the people that that mentored me very early on, and so I had a had like a very early connection with Hill Country Blues and 
And um, it's something that people sometimes can't really wrap their heads around and stuff. I wanted to add a little bit to what Brett was saying. Is this, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to like the Delta Chicago blues, the Hill Country stuff was a lot more secretive. Um, so we, where you have other kinds of blues was a lot more collaborative and people were trying to play in bands and trying to play together. The Hill Country guys a lot of times were secretive and they didn't want people to copy their songs or mm -hmm. learn things from them. So a lot of them refused to be recorded, which is... Uh, which is part of it. And other ones would do things like they'd put their guitar strings on in different orders mm -hmm. or tune them weird so that if someone was watching them play, they wouldn't be able to copy the song. And so that's why if you listen to old this Hill Country true. stuff, you, you hear a lot of diverse and you hear a lot of uniqueness and you also hear a lot of really strange things. Mm -hmm. But it also makes it so people that have like a traditional music background or have listened to a lot of other styles of blues music sometimes have a hard time figuring it out or, or figuring out learning the songs for that reason. It was intentionally yeah. designed that way sometimes. Man, that's so mm -hmm. smart. That's a really cool, wow. that's, a, that's a history lesson <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah for say, real, that's, now, that's the truth too. got two encyclopedias in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we gotta, we gotta play a song though. Yeah. Um, so okay. uh, Brett, man, maybe you could talk about You Got to Pray. Maybe just kind of where did it yeah. come from? How did it get, get to be? Um, yeah, so uh, it's something that my grandmama used to tell me, uh, still tells me, I guess, you know, like I'd be going through a hard time, you know, and, um, or whatever. And she'd be like, baby, you got to pray about that. I was like, yes, ma'am. Yeah, yes, ma'am, grandmama. You know, I like, I grew up going to church with her down there in Southern Alabama, you know, she's a church lady and that's just how we grew up, you know, and it's a song I wrote to, you know, hopefully folks can relate to it, you know, just trying to, see the light, get through the hard times, really. When the rain's shaking your home your friends ain't around, baby. Lord knows you got to save yourself before you drown. The river water been rising above the ground. Lord knows you've been crying so loud that you can't even hear a sound.
Thank you all. All right, we're back with the Brett Benton trio, and that was You Got to Pray. Um, yeah, well, Christine, you go ahead. Okay, well, you just talked about how being down in Alabama. Is that where you're from? Is that where you were born and raised? Yep. How'd you get up here? Um, my girlfriend's up here for school. Yeah. So you um, followed her up? Say what? You followed her up? Yeah, basically, yeah. Smart, smart man right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, gosh, five or six years ago now. So, yeah. Been up here for a little while. You're a real outdoorsman, so this is kind of of your your thing up here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Like, you don't find mountains in the south until you get to, like, northern Alabama, you know, or, like, northern Georgia. You know, and then once you're like in Tennessee and the Carolinas, you know, you get pretty mountainous up there, but you just didn't see a lot of it growing up, really. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about, uh, I mean, obviously, we talked about your style, but, uh, but maybe you could talk about how, you, when you first started playing. Like, when was that? What kind of got you going? Because, man, you, you obviously have been doing it for a long time. Yeah. So, uh, I was probably 13 or 14 and I started playing drums and I love playing drums I don't know why I decided to make the switch randomly and so I played drums for about three or four years maybe and then I decided to switch over to bass and I played bass for about nine months and after nine months, I was probably worse off than what I was when I started. And I was like, well, that ain't for me. So, <laughs> which is weird. You know, most people who play drums, you know, can play bass a little bit because it's the rhythm, you know, or at least some folks can. And so then I switched to guitar and I was in high school, you know, at that point and had a guitar class and um, was failing because I didn't want to do any of the stuff that they were doing you know and so as far as the style they were playing yeah Yeah. and just like all of like the particulars and the you know you got you got to have your hand like this and you you know what i mean and i was like i can't do that and i was i I just didn't want to really and so i I was failing but i kept playing um you know country blues and delta blues is is like my number one love but i listened to a lot of other stuff growing up too like a lot of music out of seattle um, you know, a lot of music like, uh, you know, Zeppelin and Hendrix, you know, and all that stuff. And, um, but I was, first time I heard country blues, I was about five years old, I think. My daddy was playing a record in the kitchen and I just, that was one of the first things I ever remembered was just being like, wow, like, what is that? Do you remember you know? what that was? It was, uh, Mississippi Fred McDowell and, um, Big Mama Thornton. Mm-hmm playing together on a song called uh oh man what's it? uh my heavy load is what it was called and fred mcdowell wasn't even singing he was just playing guitar behind her everything she would sing he'd do the same thing on slide guitar as brilliant uh, you know yeah would you say that was like your aha moment that you wanted to like uh start doing music stuff or just you just like maybe it i was pretty young i've always loved music like my parents told me that i'd I'd be singing in the kitchen all the time and stuff, like running around and like was always just being loud, (laughs) you know? And so uh, I can't say that I knew from an early age, but I always did feel that connection, I guess, at an early age. Right on. Well, Jesse, I'd probably ask you the same question then. Uh, You know, it's kind of fun to hear people's history of, I mean, everybody has a different story of when they, but there is a lot of that 13-year-old people start really getting into music uh, when did you start i started uh getting into music i think i was four or five um and then i yeah my my mom moved to washington from california and so she was used to i guess more having more things to do she moved to like a small town in eastern washington um and she was used to having more things to do and she found out that there was these blues festivals going on all over the state. And so she started taking my sister and I to blues festivals uh, when we were really young. And so I just got exposed to bands and local bands and touring bands and all that stuff when I was at a really young age and started playing guitar when I was eight. Um, And then I played a bunch of different instruments in the high school band and just kept playing guitar. And I met Brett 
couple years ago when he moved to town. Like I said, I was hosting a jam, and I was playing guitar there, and he was playing guitar, and we really hit it off, and I've just been bugging him for years to be able to play in his band. And <laughs> he did, too, man. He did. I just said, I really want to play in your band, man, so, uh, you know. And I was just thinking, well, obviously, you don't need two guitar players, so I'll just play bass and... Uh, and the reason I was sorry to interrupt, but the reason I was on the fence about it is because traditionally, like hill country blues, you don't always need bass because the guitar player is playing a rhythm and a lead at the same time. So I was like, I don't need no bass player. And then, like we, I finally gave in and was like, all right, Jesse, let let's see what's up. And we at this point we had known each other for years, so he got on stage and basically could play every song that we were playing without any rehearsal. And I was like, whoa! I said some. Words I won't say on the podcast, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was like, "All right, man, good. <laughs> Let's do it then." Yeah, so. yeah. So that's uh, that's how we got here. But I still, like I said, I still have my band, and I still do solo and duo shows around. Um, so I just I just take what I can get. But you know, I was I'm I'm a big fan of Brett. So ever since I met him, and I always wanted to be in his band. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm here. <laughs> well, thanks, Jesse. So let's get into another song here. People want to hear. How about Alligator? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So um, God, it was, it's funny. I was uh on a flight back from the south, and I was sitting in the airport, and like was just like I just had like this this you know chorus stuck in my head i was like you know it was like I, we had been down the river or something i'd seen a gator roll by and like i had like the oh you can roll me like an alligator and then i was like you know just kind of thought on it um it's one of those songs that came pretty quick as far as writing it is concerned um it's mainly more about the imagery in the song you know a lot of stuff like from home from me from the south you know and uh but the way that I wanted to put it together was kind of more of like how love is tough, but we we do it anyway. You know, I was probably mad at my girlfriend or something that day. But <laughs> <laughs> this this is my favorite song that we do. This yeah. one's my favorite. <laughs> right on. Here's another song from the last album that we put out. It's a song called Alligator. Slide me around in the mud 
like the stars gonna shine I just can't let it go Break me down like the sea We're back. That was Alligator. This is the Brett Benton Trio here, our P&W Music. We're recording at Farmstrong Brewery. Want to keep plugging the, the spot because they, uh, they they do a lot in the area for music and stuff, and it's, it's pretty cool. Um, one thing uh, I really wanted to ask, uh, as I, like I say, I did hear you play solo before. Um, how do you write your songs exactly? I mean, you mentioned with Alligator there, you were talking about the lyrics and stuff, but obviously there's way more to it because – uh, you're playing a lot of guitar and, and um, you know, you're putting a lot into it. So can you kind of, and even if it's different for every song, just kind of walk through a process yeah, and how that comes. Yeah, it, it is different for every song. Um, you know, like I said, like Alligator, the lyrics came fairly quickly. It was the guitar part that was kind of the hardest, you know, because I wanted it to be kind of heavy, but not like kicking somebody in the teeth heavy like a lot of our songs can be, you know. Um I do try to write lyrics um, sort of in accordance with the song. You know, like if I if I write something, I'm like, okay, that's not for a, a, a live and loud, fast-paced song, you know. But sometimes, I mean, I can sit there and it could come to me line after line after line and it's done in five minutes, you know, and sometimes it takes me two or three months to finish something you know it just it really is that because it's solve. it's uh changing or because because uh, you just haven't finished it yet both yeah both so sometimes like I'll, I'll be in the mood and and be writing it and then i'm like all right i'll finish it later and then i might not get i might not find myself in that same mental space for two months you know or if ever there's a lot of unfinished songs <laughs> you know so and you know but then sometimes like like i said it just it just comes quick the guitar part and all and and now i'm trying to write songs set up in a way to where i have the band in mind um but again that really depends on the song but then also i'm i'm trying to write the songs to where they can be easily played by myself or with a band so I, I want to go back a little bit. I know you've, you've kind of already talked about this and I've seen you do it in shows umpteen times, but I just think it's the coolest thing. And I'll bet after this, when we, I bet we could slip it in there, uh, a version of it. But when you, when the Hill Country Delta Blues, when you do play the, the rhythm and like the bass at the same time, mm -hmm. can you talk about that? And then, then maybe we can put in a, a, a you know, a little blurb about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that it's set up, it's the, with my thumb, I'm playing the rhythm, you know, so it's like, ding, 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 ding. As far ding, as the pick, pick with your thumb? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, um, and then the lead, 
You know, I'm using like my index finger or my index and my middle finger. Um, you know, that it's, it takes practice to be able to get there. Some people can do it naturally. Um, I think the fact that I played drums probably helped a lot, you know, but um, those folks down south, I mean, they couldn't afford to pay for whole bands or they couldn't afford, you know, or they were just like playing house parties, you know what I'm saying? And so like they would either not have a band or not be able to afford radios and, and everything like that. So I mean, you could find videos online of R.L. Burnside walking around a living room playing while you know, he's surrounded by people dancing, you know, and if you didn't see his guitar, you wouldn't be able to really tell the difference. You know what I mean? I just think so. it's amazing. I just, yeah. I love hearing you talk about it and I love watching you do it. And <laughs> I just, it sounds like there's three different guitars going on at the same time. <laughs> it's crazy. I wanted to ask then too, uh, how does that differ then when you play with like, say Jesse here? Uh, you know, are you, do you, do you, give yourself a break and not do that? Or is it just a habit? Is it part of the song that you do that? If, if I catch myself, I'll try to give it a break, but it's just the way that I naturally play. And that was that was something that it kind of, even though we've never rehearsed, you know, it's something that did take a lot of shows to try and figure out so that he and I aren't being redundant, you know? We, we kind of evolved it, too. Yeah. We started out doing doubling, like where him and I were playing kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And now we've kind of, uh, sometimes on bass, I'm even playing more melodic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to regular bass line. And then yeah. sometimes, you know, it's just we kind of switch back and forth in that regard. So um, to make it a little more interesting. I hey, think. might as well yeah. use it. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. exactly. And, um, you know, like I said, like we never rehearsed it. So it, it while it did take some time, like it, it fits super good, you know, because like also while I'm playing the rhythm, I'm not exactly playing a bass line either you know i'm just playing the root wouldn't note. be a full wouldn't be a full thing right yeah yeah i'm just playing the root note because most of where my fretting fingers are going is for the lead you know and like the rhythm is just an open string or it's the it's the root note or whatever chord i do happen to be playing at that time so right on well hey let's jump into i got a 45 <laughs> Did, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's oh, as uh, obvious as it, as it could be, but, you know. Well, <laughs> um, I think that. <laughs> Are you going to let the song speak for itself? <laughs> I think I probably ought to let the song speak for itself because it's a pretty it's a pretty mean story anyway. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't want folks thinking any differently of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I ain't mad like that no more, I should say. <laughs> song when I was mad as hell.
That was I Got a 45. This is Brett Benton and Jesse James. The, and, the, and the other part of the trio isn't here yet, so no. we got the, the Brett Benton trio. Um, talk a little bit about that, uh, about that. You know, you, you mentioned that song and how it's going to speak for itself. But you also said that uh, before we played it uh, that, that you're not mad like that anymore. Um, you know, so is that an older song? And, and, yeah, you know, it's yeah. one of the first songs I wrote, and uh, I was mad as hell when I wrote it, yeah. like seeing red mad. And um, again, you know, it's a, it's a story. I don't really. No, you don't have to. Yeah. yeah. So no, much, no. Yeah. Like I said, the song will kind of speak for itself. And, it, and the way that it's set up is the rhyme scheme is like a AAB, like your traditional, like Delta style of blues, you know? So there's not really a lot going on in the song either. I mean, Except for no. straight hatred. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Well, uh, another thing we were kind of talking about was uh, the fact that a lot of times when you're playing in Washington, you got Jesse here uh, playing with you or whatnot. Um, how is it different? You playing by yourself, you playing as the Brett Benton trio, and then possibly you playing somewhere else where you're finding some other folks. Um, you know, it depends because it varies so much and that's how them dudes used to do it back in the day too i mean like they you know have one dude playing with them one week or even one night and then have another guy playing the next and then um you know not that they early on not that they traveled a lot but you know and then um so like solo has its advantages because i can kind of do whatever i want you know, and not have to like quote answer to somebody, so to speak, like the you know Jesse and Arturo. What's he like to play? What do you like to play, Jesse, when you're with Brent? Is it different? Um, different as opposed to what? I mean, is there always a song that you're like, well, you know, we have to do this one because? <laughs> yeah, there's a few. I mean, yeah. We, but yeah, we just, I just like playing the tunes. Yeah, I mean, we don't uh, write set list or rehearse. Or anything, we basically just wing it. Jesse, yeah. Jesse's just happy to be playing with you. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I mean, we the same here. You know? We do the same in my band. We don't rehearse mm -hmm. and we don't do set lists. So, um, you know, the best songs get played. That's mm -hmm. that's the thing to say. I mean, yeah, there's there's not usually one that I'm begging for because all the best songs are always going to get played. Yeah, know? yeah. And so then when so then when you go down say somewhere else and you're playing and maybe you want to hook up with some folks, uh, how does that vary your set list then? Um, still no set list. I just know what songs that they can't play because I don't rehearse with them either. And now I live sure. 3000 miles away from there, <laughs> so <it's, laughs> you know, but, um, it's still different. Like down there with those dudes, they're, they're the people that I first started playing out with and kind of taught me what I know, a lot of what I know. So we kind of just do it basically on feel and like and me and jesse and arturo do as well except it is a little bit tighter and a little bit more refined you know versus like the dudes down there down south you know it's just kind of like a like i kind of set up the song and then i just kind of let them take it wherever you know and then i'll kind of bring it back in i mean i don't know really i guess i do the same thing with jesse and arturo but like i said it's just it's tighter and it's more refined and so and because we play together and like tour together, you know, we can 
we know what songs we can do and how we work off of each other. That's a lot of it too, is just knowing who you're playing with. You know, like I know, I know how to run a setup for Jesse and Arturo, you know, and the way that I run, the way that I lead into that setup can be different from the folks that I play with down south because I know how they work, mm-hmm. you know. And also to get in, when you're talking about those dudes down south, you're talking about some heavy duty hitters. You had some great mentors down there. <laughs> some, yeah, some, who, who were yeah. they? Let's talk about that. Well, <laughs> um, the folks that I play regularly with down there um, would be uh, like for the albums or for really big tours. We do hire uh, one of my best friends, Ed Adams. He is a beast of a slide guitar player and taught me a lot of what I know. He's played with a number of different bands down there. Um, still tours sometimes. Um, well, I guess I should say was touring sometimes. You yeah. know, nobody's really touring full time right now. But um, the drummer that I was working with is the drummer for Kenny Neal, mm. um, Mr. Brian Morris, who is also a beast. Um, we recently down there kind of started bringing our friend Walter Weekly on bass. Um, he studied like music theory. So for him, it's kind of weird because he wants to kind of go back to that theory sometimes, but like, that's kind of not like <laughs> where we're at, you know, this but it's not the style, right? Right. He could bring some cool stuff into it though, but he comes from like a, like a country folk and bluegrass background, you know? So it's a little bit different. Um, you know, and then of course, like whenever we're driving for tours, like I don't hire them for shows mm-hmm. down there because you know I got these dudes. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, but um, you know, so it's a. Uh, I mean, I played with Cedric Burnside down there, who was uh, the grandson of R.L. Burnside, who's a hill country blues legend. Um, on a new album that we got coming out, we got Jimbo Mathis from the Squirrel Nut Zippers. Um, who's become a friend of mine and he plays auxiliary instruments for the album and does some vocals. Um, What's it like hanging out with these guys that, you know, I mean, I mean, how much (laughs) have they taught you, you know? I don't know that I could talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) 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 No, they're they're good folks, man, in all seriousness. They're they're good folks, you know, they're extremely talented, you know, that is, that's where they're from, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like the the music is seriously like in their blood yeah. down there, you Definitely. know, and that's, that's who they are and that's who they've always been, you know, and it really shows whenever you're playing with them. And it's not a, it's not just a music thing either. I mean, it really is a, a lifestyle thing, right. you know, which is the, so that joke I just made a minute ago, <laughs> they, there's some seriousness to it. Like those dudes know how to party, you know what I mean? And, you know, but that's just, that's just how it is. You know, it's a, it's a rowdy type of music. It's made for yeah. people to feel good and dancing. Good times. So. so let's get into Kokomo. Can you tell us about that song? Yeah, that's actually a uh, Mississippi Fred McDowell song. Um, he is one of the godfathers of country blues. Well, at least the version that we play is from Fred McDowell, but there's other folks who did it older. You know, and uh, so there's... um. Depending on who you ask is who you're going to get who originated that song, but the version that we play is one that I learned of through Mississippi Fred McDowell. So...
right, we're back with the Brett Benton Trio. That was the song Kokomo, and I believe we're going to play the song that, that was uh, recorded from the album on that one. Uh, that's, yeah. the, that's the one we play there. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of the ones we're playing today are going to be from the show from today, hopefully. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was the, the, the full meal deal right there from the studio. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe you guys can kind of talk about that a little bit, um, you know, individually, just about recording in the studio. You know, what... Uh, I've heard people say like, uh, "Oh man, that's where it happens. That's where, you know, yeah." <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it it depends. I mean, you know, the first album, um, you know, was at the end of a thirty-day tour, and it was done in about eighteen hours. Um, you know, had Cedric Burnside on that album, had Ed playing lead guitar, no bass, and then. Uh, pretty much did everything live right there. Um, I was uh, I was wiped out for that one. But then you know the new album last year was uh, we had more time, you know, because everything was shut down. So it's got a lot of experimentation on it. Um, we uh, have Jimbo Mathis and uh, uh, Matt Patton is on some of the bass songs from the Drive By Truckers. And, you know, and there, there's some other people that were on it, too, and it's a little bit more experimental. It kind of happened in pieces a little bit. So it's – but honestly, for me, like, playing live is where it's at. There's an, there's an energy playing live in front of a crowd that is irreplaceable. You know, studio is cool because I'm also a creator. I like to create things, you know, but I still prefer the energy of a live crowd than – studio time because studio time could be tough yeah so. jesse is that the same for you then uh when you you know I, I don't know you have a lot of recorded stuff with your band yeah we have uh we have a live album that we put out in 2017 and we have a studio album that we're just waiting on releasing because of uh covid and stuff so um and i'm i'd say i agree with brett i like doing the live better um, I like to do live recordings, so I'm going to record the show tonight. I like to record our shows and post videos and stuff on YouTube. To me, that really, you know, you can really capture kind of the magic and what was going on, um, especially if you're a band that has a lot of energy playing live and that kind of thing. And at least with my band, that's what we try to capture in the studio. We try to do as close to live as possible. So, like, on, on our the album we're working on right now, it was all recorded uh together like single takes and then the vocals dubbed so the only thing that's like was recorded separately was the vocals uh -huh. and that's the, so the band was all playing together and More. then we didn't go through and add any extra and we didn't go through and add you know horns or piano player or anything like that i just want people to hear on the album like what they're going to see live i think it's it's a really good experience and Brett, you were saying yours is a little different than that as far as not being able to play some of them live, right? Yeah, currently. I mean, unless I wanted to hire more folks, you know, and, and that's, you know, sometimes, like, like it would be pretty hard to replace Ed on slide guitar. And he's down in Florida, you know what I mean? So that's it's a little tough to try. And we do tour with Ed, but it's logistically it can be tough. And so, like Jesse just said, you know, I mean, now that – now that I've already recorded this next album, you know, and it's almost done, you know, as far as production and mastering and everything goes. But um, like Jesse was saying, I think the next album is going to be a little bit back to, you know, back to like the bare bones, so to speak. Not necessarily like not having folks on the album, but just a better representation of what you're going to get live. Yeah, I remember having that like that disappointment of you listen to the the album, you know, every day in your bedroom as a kid, and then you go see the live concert, and the band sounds nothing like it. <laughs> yeah. So I've always tried to tried to avoid that from like from my music. You don't have to name any artists. <laughs> but we've all been there, right? You know what uh, I mean? It's just like you go see the band live, and it yeah. wasn't the same as what you heard on the radio, and still happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, right on. Well, let's get into that last tune. Uh, Let me be your man. Yeah. Talk about that one. So that is a song that I wrote a long time ago. Um, again, I was mad as hell. But uh, I recorded it for the first album, and it's got Cedric Burnside on drums 
for that song as well, but it is currently unreleased because it didn't fit the feel of the album, and mm. so we don't know that we are going to release it ever. But we do play it live. Um, you know, so tonight it's got a Turo on the drums, right? Yeah, and Jesse <laughs> on the bass, which there was no bass player oh, okay. on the recorded version of that song. So the way it sounds now is also different, you know? And so that's another reason why I don't know that I'll ever release it, just because right. the way that we play it is considerably different than how it started. <laughs> this is an unreleased song right here that we probably ain't never gonna release, but. <laughs>
to Arturo and Jesse over here, man. All right, that was Let Me Be Your Man. This is the Brett Benton Trio. And uh, how can people find you, Mr. Brett Benton? Um, well, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is just Brett Benton. Instagram is uh, Brett Benton underscore. Um, you can find uh, you find us on Spotify, um, Apple Music, all that. YouTube, um, although I think I got a YouTube channel, I don't put nothing on it ever. Other folks do that <laughs> instead, which is a lot nicer for me. <laughs> you know, Jesse is a good example. Uh, so are you guys, you know. And Jesse, how are folks going to find you, man? Yeah, so we're on, uh, we're on Facebook, Jesse James and the Mob uh, for my band. I post all my solo stuff there, too. Uh, Instagram is Jesse James Mob. And my website is jessejamesmob.com. And then we got stuff on Spotify and uh, Apple Music also, uh, Jesse James and the Mob. And then I also have a, another album a project that's on there under James and Montgomery. So when you one, one quick question uh, based on what you were just saying. When you guys play together, do you ever do one song ever? I've sang a song once or I something. Think so, yeah. yeah. During if we it depends on the set. Sometimes we'll actually have Jesse open the whole show playing oh, yeah. solo. Yes. Sometimes you I'll know? play solo mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a little while and then uh, and then do the band. It's cool. Mm-hmm. I get to open. That's good. If we're feeling rowdy, I think uh, Arthur's gotten back behind Jesse a time or two for the opening <laughs> set, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, because it, it keeps it easier on us, man. We got a we got a sweet spot for time that we like to stick to. Sure. You know, and um, so we can play, you know, the the songs that we like to play the most and turn out the best when we play them. All right. I just want to say thanks to Farmstrong Brewery for having us and having you two play. And uh, guys, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you all for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our Pacific Northwest music. Hope you enjoyed it. Check us out next week. Thanks so much to our friends Jack Mattingly and the Whiskey Fever. That was the track you heard at the start. And here it is again. Wouldn't want to miss this off the album Oceans of Trouble. Go check it out. They're from Cedro Wood. Ooh, you wouldn't want to miss this.